0: What's up, everyone? I'm Benny Guadarama. Welcome back to another episode of Founders Party, where I interview Rockstar founders about their startups, their mission and vision, and the journey thus far. Today, I'm very excited, very happy to be talking to Tom Ward, who's the co-founder of Epoch Boats. Tom, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Benny. Thanks for having me on Founders Party. Really excited to be here, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. How are you doing?
0: Cool. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to talk to you. Uh, Thankful that you came on the show and, you know, you get to tell us a little bit about what you're building at Epoch Boats. Um, Actually, Tom and I met yesterday on the Metaverse, everyone, (laughs) uh, on Gathered.Town. So that was cool seeing each other um, as little characters and and it was great. But yeah, uh, excited to hear what you're talking about. So for our listeners, just to get started, uh, for those who haven't heard of Epoch Boats, what are you building?
1: Yeah, so um, Epoch Boats, we're a climate tech company that builds really cool boats. And kind of before I get into the the specific details of what we're building, I always like to frame a startup as what problems are we solving, right? Because that's the most important thing that matters to our customers and and to our ultimate success. Um, So a little bit of background on on Epoch and, and how we approach the problem. I think there's always two kind of schools of thought on how a startup originates, and one is that. You've got an outsider who comes into industry and they've got a brand new set of eyes and they do some really cool things and, you know, quote unquote break the rules. And then you have the incumbent who has been in the industry for a while and they come across some kind of special knowledge or special advantage and they use that to kind of shift the paradigm. So at Epoch, we 100% fall in the latter category. Uh, me and my co founding team are all lifelong voters. We have over 50 years of combined experience on the water, owning boats, using them as customers. And we're all also marine industry professionals, having worked at a combination of startups and larger companies. So we've got a couple of decades of professional experience backing us. And uh, you know, one of the big risks, if you're an incumbent like that, is you can become blind to the problems that your customers have. You know, When you're working at bigger companies and making a lot of money, it's really easy to just say business as usual, right? The POs are coming in. Right. So when we founded EPOC, we kind of took a step back and said, let's pretend that we're new to this space. Let's pretend that we don't have all this knowledge and all these connections, and we're just going to kind of take a first principles approach and look at what the problems are. So we did that, and we boiled it down to one overarching problem, which is boating is great, but boat ownership is not so great. And you know what that really means, when we deconstruct it is everybody loves being on the water, you know, whether you're out there water skiing or fishing or just going for a night cruise and kind of having some charcuterie and wine. It's awesome. But then when the boat gets back to the dock, the owner of that boat has a whole bunch of chores they have to do and a whole bunch of problems. And, you know, these problems really fall into three main categories. The first and and most important to the boat owner is just the general hassle of boat ownership. The second is the cost. And then the third is environmental impacts. And at EPOC, we're addressing all of these. So, you know, hassle, there's there's actually a phrase that ties the hassle, you know, if you're a boat owner, and that's the two best days of a boat owner's life are the day that they buy their boat and the day that they sell it. (laughs) And it's, and it's true. I mean, I'm a boat owner and, you know, the day I bought it was great and we get on the water and we're having so much fun. And then before I know it, I'm winterizing it and doing oil changes and paying for fuel and it's in the shop and there's carb rebuilds. And, you know, it's just, it's a hassle. It's something you always have to be thinking about and preparing for. And it's absolutely worth it. Don't get me wrong, but it's still there. And if we can fix that, it makes it, it'll make it better for a lot of people. Um, so then the second is cost, right? All of those things that are associated with hassle, they come with a price. If you have to take it into the shop, you're paying you know, hundreds of dollars an hours in tech fees. If you have, to, you, know, you have to buy fuel to run your engines, and um, we've been hitting, getting hit hard with gas prices at local gas stations, it's even more expensive at the marinas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and this all, all comes together and creates this total cost of ownership. We've got another phrase that, that I like to say, which is the word boat. B-O-A-T, stands for break out another thousand.
0: <laughs> it just,
1: it never stops. Um, and like then, you, yeah, the environmental impact is one that that is probably a little bit less obvious to, to some people. I mean, certainly we see it on the water. Sometimes there's fuel spills or there's the kind of rainbow oil slicks. Uh, those are the visible pollutions that are associated with boating. And, and sometimes they're bad. I mean, there's been times where I wanted to jump in the water and I looked at it and said, I'm not jumping in that water and it's polluted and and kind of dirty just because of the local boats that are there. Um, Some of the ones that are maybe not obvious to the general public though are that internal combustion engines really aren't made for don't work in the marine environment in the same way that they do in cars and so one of the things that has happened is boats don't have modern day exhaust systems or catalytic converters like you would see on a modern on-road vehicle And what that means is that they are legally allowed to emit 132 times more carbon monoxide and 164 times more nitrous oxide and hydrocarbons than road vehicles. So there's this kind of huge invisible pollution aspect to it. And at Epoch Boats, our goal is let's address all three of these in the best way we can. So the most obvious way is to electrify boats, right? We're going to take take the Tesla model here and we're going to get rid of all of that hassle of engines that don't work in the environment, we're gonna reduce the cost with total cost of ownership using electricity instead of fuel, we're gonna get rid of the pollution. Um, I'd be lying if I said we're the first company to try and do that. There are certainly other electric boat companies out there. Um, To date, they've kind of fallen into one of two categories, which I call uninspiring or unattainable. And the uninspiring ones, they're basically slow. You know, they're run by trolling motors. You go five miles per hour. It's good for fishing and stuff like that, but you know, it's not going to get your heart racing. Yeah. And then the unattainable ones are really great performance boats, but they cost more than a house. And so what we're doing at epoch specifically on our product, we're building low maintenance, high performance, attainable, cost-effective boats that everyday Americans can buy. Um, We're launching this spring with 14 to 18 foot skiff style boats. They're great for freshwater and inshore use. We've got a product roadmap over the next couple of years to take us into, you know, all the categories of really popular boats. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one of the things that we think about as we develop our roadmap and every product that we put out there is we want every one of our boats to pass the villain test, which you know, I, I can explain that a little bit if you, if you want to, or, or. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: I I have no idea what the villain test is. So that'd be great. <laughs>
1: okay, sure. So, so the villain test, the idea behind it, and it came from a VC called collaborative fund and it's, they're, they're pretty environmentally focused, but they said, you know, we've got all these startups that are coming to us with these products that are environmentally focused, but they're just not as good as the existing product on the market and they created this villain test, which is think of a bad guy from a movie, like a Bond villain or something, mm-hmm. and think of the products that they would buy. They're going to buy products that are purely self-serving, best of the best. You know, it's got to get your heart racing. It's got to be exciting. And mm-hmm. you know, Collaborative Fund said we want to invest in companies that their products have good environmental impact and they pass the villain test. Um, and it's something that you know we we came across as we were creating Epoch and building out the company and said this is awesome. Like, it's so great that these guys came up with this and published it. And, you know, we're going to make that part of our core and part of our identity here.
0: Definitely. That's interesting. That's super cool. Um, I thought I I saw yesterday on Twitter, you posted, you were busy uh, building that prototype and um, it, you know, all the pieces I can already kind of see like how it's going to look based on there. You also show an image, I think what you would want it to look right. Um, it's really, it's, it looks really cool. It looks like it can really just zoom through the water. And when I was doing a little bit of research for for our talk, um, it, a lot of the pollution from water also into the water also comes from the the metals, the solvents, the paint, the oil, the cleaning supplies. And, and so, is is uh, your guys's boat going to be be able to be well kept in a different way, or or like what are the solutions going into that as well? Yep. Yeah. So, so a big part
1: of that is when you look at a traditional marine engine, you, you have, you know, a crankcase, you have oil, you have a gearbox, you have all these things that, you know, need to be maintained. And when you put it in a saltwater, even a freshwater environment can corrode and cause issues. And the nice part is that when you go to an electrified solution, now you, you can get rid of the gearbox, right? We can use brushless motors and direct drives. And we can take away a lot of those issues that have to do with you know, needing to flush out the engine system or, or needing to do oil changes and things of that nature. Um, there, still, there still is a balance that has to happen with some of the other ones, particularly for cleaning the exterior of the hull, um, mm-hmm. because we have issues with uh, invasive species. And you know, one of the things that happens a lot while boating is an invasive species like zebra mussels will attach to the hull of a boat And if you pull your boat out and then you go drive, you know, a couple hundred miles to Michigan, if you were in Pennsylvania, now you've taken those zebra mussels into Michigan and introduced them there. So, um, you know, there's there's a level of runoff that we're not going to be able to get away from because, you know, in some instances, the cleaners that we use are less harmful to the environment than Mm -hmm. transporting invasive species around. Uh, but yeah, we certainly, certainly have an advantage, an advantage where we're not going to have quite as much pollution related to that type of maintenance.
0: Cool. Cool. Sounds, sounds, sounds interesting. Um, and I imagine since you're building on your prototype, you're still, um, you're probably building out potential customers talking with potential users, um, you know, maybe, you know, uh. Tell us a little bit about how you're reaching them you know, do you know these people already are people coming to you, or how are you finding uh, people that might want to buy an epoch boat. Yep, so we're,
1: we're leveraging every channel that we can right now. Um, You know, epoch is based outside of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, and uh, I I looked at the weather like two hours ago and it was 28 degrees so. (laughs) <laughs> the the first thing I always look at is I want to meet the customers where they are which means going to marinas going to docks being on the water we're not doing that today in fact you can't be on the water you're you're on the ice yeah right. Um, but we're reaching out through you know kind of traditional channels Instagram Facebook Twitter all of that mm-hmm. stuff we're reaching out through industry contacts um, you know being a boat builder we actually have two two paths to market one is the B2C path which is the customers that we're reaching out direct to, and as we get into warmer weather, we're going to start doing demo days with our early prototypes, and you know traveling around the key areas of the country and letting people get rides and everything. Yep. Um, and then the other level is kind of the B two B two C model. So there's boat dealers all over the country, and you know, we sell to them, and and then they sell to the end user. Um, so we're we're looking to leverage both models. Um, particularly in areas where we can provide great customer service, that's where we wanna be pure B2C. And then in areas where it's harder for us to access and it it would be better to have a dealer partner with boots on the ground, that's where we're looking to leverage the dealer model. So, you know, right now it's a little bit hard to reach our B2C customers, but all the dealers are open and, you know, we're reaching out to them. A lot of which we know just from our
0: previous history in the industry. Um, And yeah, we're just pushing it that way. Sweet, sweet uh sounds like you got a good approach going uh talking to potential customers um someone as someone who doesn't own a boat has never owned a boat my dad always said it looks like too much work <laughs> we've <laughs> seen people on the highway with their boats and they're just like oh my gosh you're loading that thing loading it off um but this sounds like something that you know any person could really equipped any person could own um and so uh, i you know obviously would want to test it out one day i think it'd be great so you got you got me you got me already awesome. <laughs> already <laughs> in and um, and tell me a little bit about you know what your work day looks like like how do you plan your day how you know when you wake up in the morning what's the first thing you do what are your roles pretty much
1: so I, I actually, I should cheat here and I should pull up Twitter because I made a post about this uh, at 11 p.m. on a Saturday night, like two weeks ago, <laughs> <laughs> as I was still working. And I, I decided I needed to take a break. But um, you know when you start a startup, you want to have generalists, right? You want to start it with generalists so that we can cover all the bases and then you know specialize down as, as we growth and get into the growth phase. So You know, me and my co-founders, we we were really intentional about how we brought the team together to make sure that we were able to cover all the really important attributes. So engineering and operations and sales and marketing, and we've got a great mix of that. Uh, But what it means is that everybody has, you know, a rather large slice of the pie that touches their everyday tasks and mine mine runs all over the board. I mean, you mentioned the pictures that you saw of our prototype. Mm-hmm. I've been I've been out in the shop, you know, helping our our ops co-founder sketching out cut lines, running the plasma torch, uh, you know, I've got my I've got my welding mask right here at my desk so I can grab it and jump out there whenever I need to. Uh contract reviews for NDAs and vendor supply agreements and things of that nature, so I put the legal cap on sometimes. Um we talked about customer outreach, right? I mean, sales, it's sales, sales, sales. You got to get the customers, getting that product market fit is so important. Yeah. Um, and then even on another level, reaching out to investors, you know, as a startup, we, we want to be able to accelerate our growth through through that process and talking to investors and going through that process is really a form of sales, right? You know, we're selling a part of our company to to allow us to grow at that level. So, you know, that's part of my day as well. And uh, yeah, it goes across the whole thing. I mean, real estate agent looking for for more bigger space to be able to go grow out the shop and build it, and yeah. uh, sourcing and purchasing and, and all of it. So it's a uh, it's great fun. It's it's definitely hard work and exhausting, but I wouldn't rather be doing anything else.
0: Yep, love to hear that. Yeah, being a generalist uh, will take you very far. And then once you have everything. At a sustainable place, you can bring in, you know, the specialists and they'll, they'll help you out. Um, and, you know, what what would you say is the big vision from prototype today to 10 years into the future? Where would you like to see Epoch Boats? Yep. So we have we have two
1: primary phases in our roadmap. And we're in phase one right now, which is all about getting boats on the water, building the brand, refining it, getting customers to love it electrifying the space, taking away direct pollution related to boating. And then our second phase is all about increased utilization and kind of a very broad um, pathway to help us get into renewables and help with the grid. And it's a little bit complicated, uh, but what it comes down to is, when you look at the average boat in the US today, they spend 50 hours per year on the water being used. Mm-hmm. And that means it has a utilization rate of 0.57%. Wow. <laughs> so 99% of that boat's life, it's just sitting there, whether it's in dry storage or on a trailer or you know at the slip, it's doing nothing. Yeah. And when you think of the cost of a boat, I mean, boats, even entry-level boats are pretty expensive, right? They cost about the same as a, an entry-level car. So mm-hmm. it's just a huge waste of the asset. And Started thinking about this and said, "Man, if we're electrifying boats and they're an underutilized asset, and we focus on boats that you can trailer back to your property, or even if it's at a marina and plug it into the grid, we can do a really cool thing here. Where instead of you know buying an electric boat and buying a Tesla Powerwall, you can just buy an electric boat, and it'll serve as your Tesla Powerwall for that other ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And that's what our phase two is all about. How do we take this utilization from zero point five seven percent?" almost 100 percent and you know there's a lot that's going on in the climate tech scene with long-term energy storage and how we're going to make it so that you know we can power the grid with solar panels but still have energy available at night or you know we can use wind turbines but when the wind stops blowing we still need to push energy back in and you know this is one way where we see an opportunity to help that um now you know from the size of the boating market we're not going to be we're not going to be the biggest player in the space but we see it as something that can you know put a couple of drops in the bucket, so to speak.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, <clears throat> that's a crazy statistic that, uh, you know, I, it's, it's crazy that something can be sitting there for such a long time. I, I I'd think that people would be using it a lot more. Um, but, and so, yeah. And like you said, it's a large industry. I think last time I checked, it's like at $46 billion it's the boat building or uh, one of those industries, boat building. And it's, it's a big industry. Um, and out of curiosity at these marinas, are there, are there like electric chargers for boats that are already electric? Like, is that provided there or is that something you're going to have to like try and figure out too? I don't know if you mentioned it.
1: So uh, most marinas, uh, let me rephrase that. Every marina has electric capability. And, you know, when we look at a normal boat and an internal combustion engine boat today, there are cranking batteries on the boat. That allow the engine to crank over just like in your in your car Mm -hmm. and then there's usually house batteries that allow for other things right so if you want to you know turn on the tunes or make some margaritas in the blender or something there's a a battery bank for that and when you're running your engines the alternators are recharging those batteries but if the boat is sitting in a slip and the engines Mm -hmm. aren't running those batteries are going to drain so most marinas they have pedestals at the slip where you can plug your boat in top off those batteries, run the house system, uh, you know, off of shore power. And that way you're good to go whenever you want to go out on the water, the engines will crank and you you know, you can, you can take off. Um, that said most marinas or storage facilities don't have enough capability coming into the marina to mm-hmm. be able to support a fleet of electric boats on like a holiday weekend or something yeah. of that nature. So we are really in phase one targeting boats that, you, you really store on a trailer and bring back to your house mm-hmm. and are able to then plug in and charge there. Um, I think also it would work in scenarios where if you're a weekend boater and you're able to go out and it stays at the marina and can charge over the course of a week, the marinas would be able to support that. Uh, but there definitely is going to be sort of this chicken and the egg problem where marinas are going to need to catch up to the industry or the industry is going to need to catch up to marinas, depending on how that plays out. And I think we're seeing a, a similar thing in the EV space with fast chargers, you know, at various places around, you know, large highway thoroughfares in the country right now.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Yep. Um, I think a large, um, when I was at my time at ASU, I did a EV project with some classmates and a large part was, you know, getting it to charge quickly was one of the problems. Another thing was for it not overheating when it's not in movement, especially in the state like Arizona or Texas or California. But uh, yeah, definitely super, super fascinating how an industry is going to have to catch up to its companies. Uh, that's, you know, that's pretty crazy. Um, and so uh, one of my final questions for you is, you know, for our listeners, uh, the founders party community, you know, what's an ask that, that you have, you know, are you, you know, are you fundraising? Are you hiring? Are you looking for people who are just lover lovers of boats and just, you know, want to learn more? Like, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? Yeah. So
1: absolutely. Any, anybody who wants to learn more, we ask, come to our website, epochboats.com, uh, E P O C H. Um, we have a subscriber list we send one email a month that's just general updates uh we also have a wait list so anybody who's interested in you know getting on the list to be able to purchase an epoch boat when we launch uh, later this year uh it's first come first serve so you know get on there quickly and um yeah we you know we're in full startup mode we are reaching out to investors um it's it's a little bit tough being a hardware company um mm-hmm. there's some great investors who are geared towards climate tech and hardware but you know it, it can be difficult to find them so if any investors are listening and they're interested or anybody knows someone who might be please send them our way um and we're also you know on all the main channels twitter facebook instagram so i encourage anybody to reach out we love talking to anybody who's either a just interested in the space or be interested in being a customer or, or wants to talk about climate tech or anything like that. So
0: yeah, just come engage and, and we'd be happy to to talk to anyone. Definitely. Sweet. Well, you know, you heard it there, Founders Party community. Um, and if someone were to, you know, want to interact with you, what's the best way to reach you personally? Is it Twitter? Is it, you know, how can they talk to you?
1: Uh, yeah, Twitter's good or they can reach out to me, Tom at epochvotes.com
0: is my email address. Cool. Sounds good. Well, I appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, I look forward to seeing you again in the metaverse, Um, but it was, it's been really good talking to you and seeing what you're building. So thank you. It's been great being here, Benny. I'd like to thank you for having me on the show and I'd like to thank everybody for listening in.